Okay, rule zero done. Everyone keeping their hands? Yep, it do. Yes, I do. Uh-huh. It's pretty gas. All right then. James, you're first up. Untap, upkeep, draw. Okay, play island and Sega. Draw. Play a forest, then tap that to play carpet of flowers. Nice play. James always plays blue, so that was a good idea to include carpet of flowers in your deck, James. No, I don't. I'm playing mono green. <laughs> no, uh, not you, James. Um, that James. Or just James in general. Don't stereotype me. I'm playing a Boros deck. I didn't mean you, James. I, I meant James. Also, this deck only has two counter spells in it before you make me out to be that player. Please none of you take offense. I was simply saying to James that casting something that I think was a good play, considering James was playing blue, is cool. Just puts me and James in a catch-up position. Wait, which James is in the catch-up position? I don't know anymore. Do you want to go to the game store and play with real people? I'm real. What are you talking about? <laughs> came out of nowhere. Uh, Batman. <laughs> Batman always comes out of nowhere. That's, that's, that's his shtick. It was a blend between Batman James or the hormone monster oh, James. Oh, it totally was. Big, for big mouth. mouth. Yeah. Really great series. Big. Love, yep. love that series. Big fan. Big fan for sure. Oh well, welcome to the Get Commanded podcast by the Greensboro Commander community. It's the GCP by the GCC helping you to have better games of Commander. I'm your host, Walt. And hello, Commander players. I am your other host, James. Definitely James, this one. Oh, James. Yeah, James. Yeah. Not, not, not to be confused with James. Not the other James. Or James. Or Batman. Or Batman. <laughs> <laughs> or just, in fairness, no one's ever seen me and Batman in the same room. Oh my god. Yeah. You know who else we haven't seen in the same room as us? The Space anything? Commanders. Yeah, yeah. Segway. A nice <laughs> Very nice. That was a bit of a stretch, that one, to be fair. <laughs> we'll take it. Uh, there is an incoming transmission from the deep depths of the galaxy from our friends, the Space Commanders. It's time to get commanded. In constructed tournament formats, you eliminate your opponent and then move on to the next. Commander is different. You will return to the same opponents. Explore how your opponents make Commander unique. What makes repeated opponents a positive influence on the format? And how can you make this effect stronger? How can you improve as a Commander player by becoming aware of the phenomenon of the playgroup? Hey, you just referred to the Space Commanders as our friends. Do you reckon? Did. Do you reckon they think we're like part of their playgroup oh. or something? They'd never played with us. Uh, I mean, they could have. They, they're also known to be chameleons. And they might have been they, wiping our memory afterwards. They could have also been wearing the, sin the skin suits of our friends. Well, actually, I think, Space Commanders, we want to know what your experience playing with us is like. Yeah, that'd be a good podcast yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> Throw to you, Space Commanders. Um, Playgroups. Yeah. What cool. a cool... This is really unique to Commander, though, isn't it? They were totally right. It is yeah. super unique to Commander. I think that the, the thing that I'm thinking of when I think of a playgroup, just to define it real quick, is just the people that you keep coming back to play with regularly. Might be because of your geographical location, might you just might be friends with them, but it's so unique to Commander because all like the Space Commander says, all other tournament formats, 
you're not playing for fun. You're playing to win. Yeah, that's right? totally true. And I, I think um, part of the reason that Commander is so popular, and we know now that Commander is the most popular format of Magic uh, as of right now, um, is that it's so close to kitchen table magic, which, as we know, is actually how the most command, most magic players play magic at a kitchen table with their friends mm. outside of a game store, outside of a tournament. So I think it, it just makes perfect sense that Commander, the format that we love so much, that's so popular, is so close to that experience of playing at a kitchen table. Also, how players get started are usually because their friends are introducing them and yeah. they play for fun in the first instance. So, totally. like, I think this concept sounds really simple. Like, you know, you're playing with your friends. Yeah. But I'm actually struggling a little bit to go, okay, well, who's my playgroup? Yeah, we're sort of at an interesting spot because I, I can definitely say that we once were part of a very specific playgroup because we got started, <laughs> if you haven't heard the story before, me and James got started playing Commander during a COVID lockdown uh, in Melbourne, Australia. Which, which was, was very locked down. Yes, very, like very in strict. our own house. Yeah, so literally it was me, James, and two other people we were sharing a house with at the time. We tried to get your partner in on it. That which, didn't land. That did not work at all, <laughs> which is fine. Um, and... Like, so that was like really, those were the four people who played yeah. Commander. We played this, those same, you know, three or four decks basically against each other every day, every day almost for a good chunk of time. It, it was genuinely every day. But yeah, now we're in this situation where we play at multiple different game stores across Victoria. And most of our games are, are at game stores these days. We still play Kitchen yeah. Table, definitely. Like, we have Commander Nights that we have at your place, at well, my place, whatever. But I think that then defines our play group. It's the, it's the people that we play with at our houses yeah. and, and outside of the commander events that our community run. Sure. But more to the people that, you know, I'd, I'd say you're in my playgroup. Yeah. For I, sure. I think you're in mine as yeah. well. Yeah, no, definitely. And so I think we, yeah, we sort of come at it from an interesting angle because we definitely have a playgroup and mm. we play in one consistently, but we also spend a lot of time outside of playgroups at the game store. But then even if you go to the same game store every week, that almost becomes- An extended playgroup? It's like an extended playgroup. Yeah. You, you get used to the same decks, the same people and the same way you would if you were playing at a kitchen table. So For sure. It's just, I think you're right. When you defined it, you sort of said, it's the people that you play with consistently, that you see consistently, that, that magic is to you. That's that's yeah. sort of your playgroup, I think. And yeah. I think, okay, so now we, we know what a playgroup is. I think right at the top of our discussion here is what, what makes a good playgroup. And mm. I think straight, straight out of the gate, the easy way to define a good playgroup is a playgroup that you feel comfortable, happy, and motivated to play with. Like, yeah. you want to play with them. Totally. I mean, I think it's just sort of like, how would you define a friend, really? Is like, <laughs> yeah, almost actually, the same thing. Exact same definition. Pretty much the same thing. I guess, you know, you, you do play with people who you wouldn't necessarily would be your closest friends and I'd be yeah. in your playgroup. But, like, it's the same sort of thing, right? It's like, do you enjoy the time that you spend in company with that person. And that's mostly going to define what it's like to play with that person in a game anyway, right? As in a playgroup. For sure. And I think like, you know, being comfortable with the people is like a big thing, especially, you know, even with our community, we've got a really diverse playgroup, um, mm. people of different gender identities than normal, people yeah. with different um, backgrounds and heritage. And yeah. it's, it's really important that you feel comfortable in that. But also like I said the word motivated before, and I'm kind of pondering on that word. I, after a, like a week at work, I'm kind of fanging for a bit of commander with my mm. playgroup. And like, I am desperate to play with my playgroup. Like, yeah. you know, if sometimes if I go to the play store, the, the play store, the game store. <laughs> sometimes when he's being supervised <laughs> in kindergarten. Uh, There's a ball pit. <laughs> <laughs> when I go to the game store. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're just imagining me in a ball pit yeah, now. Just, just, I'm just imagining like your playgroup, like me and Nick and like a bunch of other people just being like, James, James, put, take that out of your mouth. <laughs> With building blocks on. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Oh, well, look, God. next yeah. time I'm at the table, I'll bring Lego. But yeah. when, <laughs> Sounds good. When, when I get to the end of a work week, I'm like desperate to play with my playgroup. And sometimes when I go to the play, the game store, I nearly said it again. When I go to the game store, sometimes all the members of my playgroup will be in other pods. Yeah. And I'll sit down with people outside my usual playgroup and it throws me a little bit. You know, it's a yeah. very different environment. So, I think it's it's definitely an environment that takes a little bit more energy as well. And yeah. so that's, that's probably why we form playgroups is because... We sort of enjoy the fact that we can kind of switch off chunks of our brain and just focus on the game at hand and focus on hanging out with people um, when we don't have to worry about introductions. And, well, like introductions, know. like there's so many benefits to a regular playgroup, right? Yeah. And, and a good playgroup is going to have really, really efficient rule zero conversations. Exactly. Yeah. So it's- introducing the decks. I mean, when you play with the same people in a playgroup, you can almost sometimes forego the rule zero conversation. Like if I pull out my Azor the Lawbringer deck, I know, I you don't much- really need yeah. the rundown. Assuming it's me and you and other people who know that deck, yeah. you probably don't even necessarily need the rule zero conversation. I think a lot of regular playgroups are sort of like this, where it's like, oh, you're pulling out your Marin deck. I know for sure that I need to pull out this deck mm. to sort of match with that. And that's kind of the extent of the rule zero conversation is like, oh, I know what power level we're at because I know what that deck looks like. I mm-hmm. actually had a bit of an experience of this like a couple of days ago in the game store. Um, one of our friends in our playgroup, Daniel, pulled out a, a deck and I immediately went, oh, we're playing that kind of a game. Um, <laughs> there you go, which yeah. is like, it, he pulled out one of his, it's it's a fling tribal deck. It's, have you, uh, you played against this? This is the one, yeah? Brian Stout arm yeah. one, right? Yeah, super cool, yeah, but yeah, really yeah. wacky. Um, and it's one of those decks that Daniel has built to kind of express himself through a deck. Mm. So I'm like, okay, we're playing that kind of a game. Yep. I'll put away my Scarab Cod deck, which is a little bit high powered, sure. to play a little bit more fun loving commander style. Yeah. So it, it wasn't even a conversation. I actually recognized the deck box that he was pulling out. Didn't yeah. even have the chat. That's true. Yeah. I think it's still important though, even when we do play in a play group that um, I think a good playgroup will still have robust rule zero conversations. Like Ooh. in the instance where you're not familiar with the deck and certainly in the instance where there's new people in the playgroup, I think a good playgroup will still have that pretty robust rule zero conversation of, you know, the questions that we really like to answer, like how does your deck win? How consistently does it do it? Um, what does your deck do to stop your opponents from winning? You know, that sort of rundown is going to be... Probably, like, it can be shortened a lot for a really good playgroup, but it's still there and it's still something that, that is actively being worked on by everyone. I, think. I mean, look, we're both huge advocates of Rule Zero anyway. We are. But we're trying not to hark on about it too much again. But, yeah, I think that when you introduce a new deck, for example, mm. one that your playgroup has never seen... The rule zero conversation is going to be a little bit easier to have even on a brand new deck because your the playgroup knows your language and your, your mm. the things that you're using. Like you can say, okay, this is another one of my tokens decks, but this time I'm not running hoof. Like yeah, that's sort of enough for me to know you know what kind of deck I'm going to yeah. expect to play against. And totally. especially when I you know so, like if a player brings something new to the table that might be a bit controversial, like mm. I don't know land destruction or stacks or something like that. Yeah, I think the rule zero conversations are a little bit more open to the possibility of actually playing through a game. Yeah, I think this actually reflects um, a bit of language that the rules committee use when they um, talk about how they sort of guide the game of Commando. Mm. 
because um, it is, you know, voluntary sort of basis, the rules committee. Yeah. Um, so they've got to have robust ways of defining things to get their heads around it. And, and one way they separate games of Commander is they separate them into trusted games and untrusted games. So the trusted games banner um, is going to be pretty much any game that happens in a playgroup. So like... You trust the people. Yeah it's, yeah, it's basically like to contrast with untrusted games, which is like when you join someone's Discord and play a webcam game or when you go to a game store you've never been to before or just like go to a game store and play with people you've never played with before. That's mm. what they would call an untrusted game. And it's sort of to reflect the fact that, you know, as we know, a lot of the rules documents f- that come from the Rules Committee for Commander are really, really like emphasize this idea that in a playgroup with consistent players, the rules can be bent, they yeah. can be broken, um, they understand that people who know one another can find their own way of playing the game, but the untrusted games is kind of a whole different ballpark, and that's sort of where they ban- base a lot of their bans around, is like, okay, if I'm walking into a game store, what kind of experience do we want to avoid mm. for a new player? And that's what they're going to be basing a lot of that stuff around. I mean, Sheldon, the, the grandfather of Magic himself, has yes. said it multiple times, that you know we trust playgroups like the, he, he, he's even used the words that the space commanders have used saying we trust you the playgroups not the players but the playgroups to talk about how you play with yourselves yeah so I, I completely agree with you I think yeah land destruction stacks those sorts of, th- of things that we as experienced commander players mm. we know are a bit of a faux pas um, yeah, the, the rules committee is quite clear on saying, actually, we know that in playgroups, in trusted games, we know you'll find your way of yeah. making that work for you. And, you know, like the cards are legal for a reason. Yeah. That's that's the place to play. Well, them. like I'll give you an example. Fall of Thran um, is an enchantment saga yeah. that destroys all lands. Yeah. Um, but at the end, it returns a bunch of lands to your battlefield and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, one of our players, Daniel, um, in our playgroup, has played that card, but he says, I'm never going to cast this card unless I can guarantee the win. Which right. is actually a really nice way of like regulating that, yeah, taboo, which mm. is land destruction, but saying, I actually kind of want to experiment with this start side of magic yeah. and see if I can win through this card yeah. on the turn. And I think he's an example of that really robust rule zero conversation because he knows the way to explain it to us that will get us on side yeah. to, to understanding and being okay with it, which is him, him saying, I'm going to win on that turn. So like, For sure. you know, it's not going to be a thing of you sitting around while I play land, you play land, we all try to rebuild our boards. He's going to be like, no, no, no. I cast this spell, I win. Yeah. Yeah. And that way you don't have to be scared of yeah. it coming. Like, if you see exactly. the spell, like, if you can't deal with it, like, I'm going to win. Yeah. Yeah. All absolutely. right. So, like, okay, well, rule zero, talking about bands, talking about different cards and stuff. That's, like, the, the, the function of Commander and getting it started. But, like, in-game, a, a playgroup has a very different vibe and a very different, like, atmosphere. Mm-hmm than playing with random people. I think the politics aspect of Commander is the biggest example that I can think of this. I think playgroups really amplify politics a lot. I think it comes from a couple of things. I think it comes from everyone knowing each other's tricks and knowing Mm. each other's decks, where it becomes this thing of like, oh, you know, James is bargaining here because someone's trying to blow up this enchantment. You know, I might butt in and say, "Um, actually... The reason he's bargaining right now is that enchantment is crucial. He needs that right now. So, by all means, blow it up because that's why he's bargaining with you. Yeah, I think we've actually said this on this podcast before, but, like, 
if if you've never played with me and you hear me start to make deals and bargain and politic, it probably means I'm about to lose. <laughs> and I'm trying to get every single scrap of resource that I can gather. And that's usually you um, <laughs> that I can try and get out of whatever conversation I'm having to make sure I don't lose. So, like, mm. my normal playgroup, like, you know that trick. Yeah. You know my, like, oh, no, 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 don't do this. And I won't swing at you for five turns. Yeah, yeah. But you're like, yeah, you don't need to swing. You'll win like this. Yeah. Like, you'll win with an infinite flicker combo or something yeah. like that you don't need to swing <laughs> it's you know. true that all, all the politics gets kind of ramped up i think it's also that the other reason i think we see a lot more in in play groups is that when everyone knows one another like so much of politics is banter you know oh yeah for kind sure. of it's back and forth right and so some people especially you know a lot of people we play magic with myself included have some amount of social anxiety and so with new players it can feel like a little bit like oh i don't want to be bombastic i don't want to make someone feel kind of threatened by my you know big pol- political outburst yeah. or whatever but in a play group you know if you're at the table if nick's at the table if james yeah. at the table i'm kind of gonna be like hey 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 wait up wait yeah. wait wait you know <laughs> i've also pulled this um like i i've drive my partner to the store mm. um and you know my partner and i live together um if we've driven in the same car as my car they can't drive manual so i usually pull the so who's driving you home um, <laughs> i usually pull that card to be like don't swing at me who's James, driving you home i don't think this is an example of good politics That's, or good playgroup no <laughs> it really isn't i also think like bad politics in like usual like irregular playgroups if you're like actually bargaining being like i'll buy you lunch <laughs> like yeah i think it, take that out of politics yeah, for maybe, your playgroup maybe don't but like that. things like that that like jest of like, oh yeah, ribbing each other kind mm. of, that that is really expressive. Yeah. And you touched on something that I kind of want to dig into a little bit before we move on. Mm. Do you think that that makes Commander a little bit of, or that gives a barrier to entry to Commander for new players? Because when they see a playgroup, it is quite expressive. And as you put mm. it, bombastic in, in its like, you know, display. Yeah. People are throwing their hands up. Maybe yeah. maybe someone slams the table or something like mm. that. Like, how dare you? Or, yeah. um, you know, all these little inside jokes. Do you think that that might cause a little bit of... I think it can be. I, I, I think it really depends on the circumstance in which someone's being introduced to Commander. I think definitely in a circumstance where someone's walking into a store that never played Commander before, they never played Magic before, some of that can feel a bit threatening mm. but i will say that you know it, it, politics and and sort of that part of that social part of the game because you know commander is a social format mm. when that's done right i actually think you know in the instance where let's say i'm bringing someone new to the store and you're at the table with us if we start doing our political banter it actually kind of opens the door to them t- saying like hey mm. this is not a game where we sit there and take our turns and move on this is a game where we chat and joke and have fun and have fun and you know bargain with one another yeah. and that's a big part of the fun of commander yeah. so i think if it's done right and if it's not threatening and it's it's sort of done in a way where it invites people in i think that's actually part of what makes the game so good and i think that will attract new players actually and, and i really hope that we pull that because i actually have a really fun memory we played at a game store in the city or a new game store in melbourne um plenty, plenty of, of games. games yeah fantastic crew of plenty of games big shout out to those guys but we were yep. playing um, and that's not our usual game store. No. So we're playing with a bunch of new players. And when we played together, like I was able to do things like, oh, that card might look silly and dumb on Walt's board. <laughs> like for Glunch, I think Glunch was the actual card. <laughs> Glunch the bestower. It's a wacky card. You look at it and go, this is a group hug card. But in Walt's Golem's deck, when- yeah. so it basically this card <laughs> is so weird. I'm going to try and explain this. Sure. Glunch gives someone other, or it gives a player- 
two treasures, mm-hmm. it allows another player to draw a card. Yep. And it gives another player plus one counters on a two creature. Plus one two plus on one counters on a yep. creature. So, but you have to target different people. Yes. So the way Walt usually plays it is puts two plus one counters on someone else's creature to mm-hmm. help them buff it up, yep. gives two treasures to someone else and draws a card. Now, Walt plays this in his <laughs> ish to keep deck, which whenever it, an artifact enters a graveyard from anywhere, including a token treasure artifact, <laughs> he puts a plus one counter on all of his golems. And Ishtakeek. And Ishtakeek. Yeah. So- it's, it's kind of the secret tech in the deck. And yeah, I think I had it on the board and James was like, I know this is a silly jellyfish. But if you sack those two treasures, you've doubled- like the power on Walt's board. Yeah, it's actually kind of insane. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sad that it's not a trick I can pull on people anymore. <laughs> not, not if I'm at the table. <laughs> well, also, this is a public uh, podcast, oh, yeah, James. True. So that's it. The game is up. I'm taking Glunch out of my deck. No, no I'm don't not take Glunch out. It. It's would, such a funny card. I would card. never. I would never. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I think like what I was t- saying before about the way that I advise people to not always bargain with you yeah. is the same kind of vein right it's like yeah. i recognize your way of playing and so I'm i can't get away people. with those tricks yeah, yeah yeah but it's kind of in a fun way i think it should be it shouldn't be like a you know let's pick on this person it should yeah. it should be an invitation to yeah social but like sometimes even when it does become let's pick on this person it's a little bit of an inside joke and a bit of fun. it can yeah it can yeah. be for sure definitely. i think that i think that like what we're like driving towards here is like playgroups make really really memorable moments in commander yeah i mean like, the glunch one is one already yeah, yeah so absolutely. like i think when you're playing with a really solid group of friends or you know that you really got into a good play group things like pet cards can become like infamous um yeah you know like even really dumb ones like <laughs> i've got werebear in one of my decks now <laughs> that you used to play in Marin. <laughs> I have a copy. I don't know which set where there was printed. I think it's like Invasion, or like one of those sets from way back, which is when I actually started playing Magic. Yeah. So I've got a lot of nostalgia for these cards that I played with when I was literally like seven or eight years old. Um, in the playground, unsleeved, no idea how any of the games worked. And yeah, Werebear was like a, a absolute favourite of mine. And It's just, stu- it's, for anyone that doesn't know, it's a one and a green for a 2-2 two, two bear that taps for a green, but it has Threshold. So if you meet Threshold, which is seven or more cards in your graveyard, it gets plus three, plus three. It's ooh, spoopy. I, the, the absolute best part of Werebear has to be the flavour text. Oh, he exercises his right to bear arms. Yes. <laughs> Horrific. Uh, but I think what you're referring to here is the fact that when you recently built your bear tribal yeah. deck with Ayula as the commander, you specifically purchased the art from Invasion or whichever set yep. it was back there so that it would be, for me, I would look yeah. at it and go, hey, it's my And boy. I'm pretty sure I, I've killed, I've had Ayula's trigger fight Werebear and kill a couple of your things just, uh, just for play. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. You can't feel bad about that. No. Well, likewise, um, I... Uh, for one of your birthdays or Christmas or something a couple of years ago, I bought you like one card for every commander deck at the time. Which I don't have as many. I didn't have as many as I do no, now. No, I was just going to say, I was going to bankrupt me. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I had like four or five decks. At yeah, the time. I think it was like five cards or yeah. six cards or something. And um, for your Scarab God deck, which you just built, I mm. bought you Army of the Damned. Yeah, the, such um, a- the weird card that makes 13 tapped zombies or something. Is yeah, that, it's like and then it's nine- got flashback as well. Yeah, it's, it's like a nine mana yeah. spell. Yeah. Um, and I think I saw you actually get a win with that. In fact, I think you were not even at the same table as me at the store and you got a win with it and you specifically came up to me and you were like, yeah. Walt, it finally I did happened. it. I got Army of the Damned off because that's like, 
we have these stories we associate yeah, with particular cards. For I sure. I, I actually remember that win with Army of the Dams. I won on the turn I cast it because I had that incredible Sphinx of the Second Sundown. Yeah. And I just drained everyone at moved the end step. Moved to the step. end step, yeah. which moves to your beginning phase. Yeah, yeah. So cool. But I, cool. I actually have another really sweet story that I'm not sure if you know about, actually. Mm. Do you remember your diplomatic immunity? that you had in Azor ages oh, and ages ago. way back in the day, which is, it's a one and a blue for an aura. Yeah. At the time, I think it just said Enchant Creature or something. Yeah. Weird names. It's Diplomatic Immunity has Shroud and the Enchanted Creature has Shroud. So it's like really hard to touch anything. Yeah. You can't uh, do yeah. anything to yeah. it. Just yeah. don't even, unless it's a board wide effect, you're not touching it. Yeah. Um, I I ended up trading you for that because I was like, I really love this card. When you took it out of your deck, I was like, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, I've, re- I've recently given it to Theo, my partner, oh. and they've put it in their Runo deck, oh. which is a bit of a pet deck of theirs. And I cannot wait until the moment spawning Kraken has <laughs> diplomatic immunity. <laughs> uh, just to like really tie everyone's pet cards together. Yeah. I think that'd be a beautiful little, that card has gone through three people and ended up on Spawning Kraken, yeah. which is my partner's pet card. Oh, uh, it's beautiful. We, we have such strong stories we associate with cards. I, we've actually recently been reveling in the fact that we've managed to lure um, one of the other people who used to play with us during lockdown. Our good friend, Abe, yeah. is coming into our store again. And um, seeing some of the cards in his decks, because they've remained like reasonably unchanged because he hasn't really touched the game for a couple yep. of years. Seeing cards like Treacherous Terrain in his cruel stompy list is so like, oh my God, what a throwback. Like, I remember yeah. you winning games, you know, like fucking 15 turn games. I remember him winning with this card. Just because he had 30 lands on the battlefield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, Treacherous Terrain is definitely one of those cards that recently we've played against Abe. And it's almost, you know, when you like smell like uh, like someone's house and you get transported back in time like when you go yeah. to an old high school friend's house and you when you walk into their house for like the first time in a good 5 years you're like oh, I'm in high school again I used to call that HO House order. House order. Take two. Go on. <laughs> house odor. Like body yeah. odor is BO. I used yeah. to call it HO because um, our good friends. So, yeah, our good friends around the corner used to have a house where you'd walk in and you had that instant, like, oh my God, I'm at their house. Like, I yeah. know I'm there because I can smell well, it. Well, like, you know, I actually um, I travel to England all the time to see my family and stuff. Yeah. I haven't been that back there in a long time. But. I once left uh, one of my favorite hoodies um, at one of my friend's places in England. Yeah. And they washed it and mailed it back to me. When I opened the parcel, when it came to Australia, I could smell smell their house. And it, like, for that split second, transported me back to their living room. And I think magic cards, and specifically, like, pet cards with our playgroups do that they re- they do i think they kind of teleport us back in time mm. to the last time we saw them it's yeah it's really sweet it's something it really that you sweet. can't get with like you know because like you know other formats like modern pioneer pauper even mm. there are meta cards that you kind of have to use yeah and you see them all the time and you know you, you see bolt every day yeah so you're not really you don't really have that like strong specific singular yeah. memory with bolt unless you i don't know won a gp with it or something yeah. maybe but like but like other formats you're never going to get that house odor effect no oh, yeah no, it's, it's lovely happen, so special sure. as a commander yeah um i think the other thing we get in play groups when we play with the same people again and again is we sort of get like this kind of like stereotypes of, oh for sure so it's like similar to the timmy kind of thing like timmy yeah. timmy um, Spike, Spike and, and Johnny. Johnny, thank you. <laughs> Didn't get any of them right. Um, we sort of have like like commander specific ones. I feel there's like the guy that politics too hard. Oh, that's me. That's, that's definitely you. me. That's definitely yeah. you. There's like the the person who goes in the tank. 
for like 30 years. <laughs> there's there's a few of those in our playgroup. There's group. a few in our store. You do it a bit. I do it a bit, but I, th- usually it's like my last turn yeah. is that turn. But like there's One people of- who do it almost every turn. I'm happy to shout out people on this podcast. Jordan is a key culprit yeah. in our playgroup. I love Jordan a bit. Builds incredible decks. Um, but oh boy, does that boy think for a long time. There's a TikTok <laughs> on our account that is literally, um, it's that TikTok sound of our conversations are long, but you know what it is. is. And then it's you drinking and it's Jordan's turns <laughs> <laughs> on the screen. I totally forgot I made that uh, one. Check that out at G underscore commander community. Uh, yeah. Uh, plug. Shout out. Plug. Mid episode plug. Oh, Look at that. Too strong. Too strong. <laughs> um, what other stereotypes do we get? You um, know? I, I know I've got so one of our other good friends, Daniel, um, is a very experienced magic player. He's been playing magic for years and years and years. And even Commander for like six or seven years. Yeah, almost, like yeah. probably the most experienced player in our playgroup. Yeah, say. probably. Has, in a consistent playgroup, yeah. Yeah. I think hands so. down the most amount of time um behind the decks. Yeah. Um the threat assessor is what I'm calling him. Oh. He is like so stereotypical in like analyze every board i've never been in a game where he's not pointed out what the threat is yeah i like, think i think what the, the thing that separates him is like we all do threat assessment as like part of playing yeah. commander it's the one who says like oh by the way this is the problem card right now yeah and that's yeah. that's, that's, that's daniel. daniel but yeah. also like it's not even this is the problem card it's this is the problem card because of these the theoretical <laughs> reasons i have analyzed check out my chalkboard i have a reason for this <laughs> he tutored with mystical tutor a moment ago yeah. and i know for a fact he got this standard play Card. He's yeah. got like a notepad next to him. Like, <laughs> not, not to that extent, but no. But he's yeah. really good at it. Yeah, for sure. I think he does. He's not afraid to tell people, "Hey, I reckon this is the problem right and now." And I know this because I've seen it before. Yes. All that kind of stuff. And I think the thing that you will get, the other stereotype you will get, when someone does the threat assessment thing and says you need to remove that, is that player will say, "Do it, I dare you." That's me too. <laughs> I do that as well. Sometimes Even if I have nothing few... in hand, like I'm bluffing hardcore the do it I do. Sometimes you throw a few expletives in there, like do it word. Or like, <laughs> you won't do, do it. it word. Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad. <laughs> yes. Any, any yeah. of those choice yeah. words. Yeah. I think uh, Nick, who we've also mentioned on this podcast, loves um, like... I have an instant speed response for this and only will say, do it, I dare. Like, I bluff. Mm. Nick doesn't. If Nick says, do it, I dare you, I'm not doing don't it. Don't touch I'm it. I'm not doing yeah. it. If that spell is not on the stack yet, don't do it. Untap yeah. those lands. <laughs> uh, spend them somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, put it in a helix pinnacle. <laughs> Just wait a couple of turns. Anywhere else. I'll tell you what, while we're on the topic of um, the, like, Archetypes player types and, and yeah, like, yeah. the stereotypes, I read a really interesting um, blog post from the head writer at Card Kingdom. Oh. Um, her name's um, Kristen Gregory. Yeah. I've read a couple of her articles, actually. The Card Kingdom blog is incredible. Kristen's the head writer there. I don't think I've ever read any of these really interesting to read um around set releases because they do different right. blogs about like how to draft it what are the best cards oh, for commander i think i've read the how to draft ones yeah. i think i've seen these ones where they're like these are the archetypes this is what cards you should look for yeah, yeah so those are really good actually they're really well written yeah. um huge shout out to Kristen for organizing that content but one article that was like kind of like a throw-in in between product releases, which to be honest, I don't know where you find the time to get an article in between product <laughs> uh, releases that last release year. Days, yeah. um, but she wrote an article with four new player types, like Johnny, Timmy, and Spike, but four Commander. Oh! Yeah, it was a really interesting article, and honestly, her justifications were sound, and I- every- 
I want to hear all of these. Okay, I'll run you through them. Because, like, each one, I was like, oh, I can think of Walt is this, and I'm probably this. But, okay, so the first one up is mm-hmm. the Artisans. Yeah. Um, in the article, she said, these are the players that make up the largest portion of Commander player base. Yeah. And they enjoy getting the best out of their decks and will generally keep their deck if it just brings them joy. They just love... It's like painting to them. They're just okay. like, I, I really like this piece of art that I've made. I'm a hanger on the wall. I'm going to keep this around. All right. I see. I see like this is definitely the bulk of people. Like most yeah. people, this is the way they play Commander. And I think yeah. everyone's a little bit of an artisan and then maybe a little bit of one of the other three. Yeah. So like everyone okay. loves what they build. But these these people really love like, I just love Commander and this is a part of the artwork that right. I've added to it. And I love this deck specifically. Yeah. This is my deck. This yeah. is the one that brings me joy. Yeah. I like being happy. This is almost like the Timmy probably. Like, yeah, like of- this one's got a big dinosaur on it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. The other one that I thought was pretty close to most of our play group, but mm-hmm. I think is specifically some people yeah. is the revelers as she put it Ooh. so this is players who sit down at a commander game primarily to have fun and i know that's why we all play commander but she says the last thing on the revelers mind is winning right. the last thing they want to do is win but if they do win it has to be like has to be in the most spectacular and perfect way for them to win. Okay, I think I take it back. I think this is the most Timmy of the yeah. of the ones. This is the like big splashy plays. I yeah. want to win with a board full of dinosaurs. Gotcha. Raw. This is the 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 stylish schleek. Yeah. yeah, I want to do something. The revel really like big. the revelers make yeah, sense. Yeah, reveling right? like, in the game. Yeah. And, yeah. If anything, these people don't want to win because they want it to go longer. They want like a yeah. grindier game where more things get cast and more big things happen. I don't care about winning. Let's board wipe for a fifth time. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's let's do more fun shit. <laughs> I was thinking the revelers might be the ones who don't like board wipes because they're like, no, all my cool stuff. <laughs> no, I think they're like, oh, all my cool stuff. Let me build another cool thing uh, and like build gotcha. it all up again. Revel in everything. Celebration all the time. I love it. I the love next it. one mm-hmm. is pretty close to Spike. And this is the one when I read the article, I went, ooh, is this Walt? Okay. But it might be Walt when you play Pauper. And considering we just got back from a Pauper event. We did. Um, this I might be linking this too much to you. But what Kristen called it was an athlete. A commander player, oh. the athlete commander player. So this is players who get their like their kicks from just being good at commander, knowing the format, how good their deck has been built, knowing every single aspect of their deck. Um, you know, really stretching their legs, almost like you know an athlete going to a running track, being like, I have got these shoes that I've purchased specifically for the five hundred meters. I know how many steps I'm taking, uh, uh, and look at how good my breathing pattern is. Right, I definitely have. Some- some amount of this. I think I think this is like the you know, I found this weird interaction. Mm. Like, you know, this is the the part of me where I think I've said before, if someone says, I've never seen that car before, but that's awesome, that's like my kick. You know, yeah, for so sure. like that's like a that's definitely part of me. I think sure. I think the next topic is a little bit more that because she's got one final category, and okay. I think that's more that. Right. Whereas the athlete is more about like the I'm training to do the thing and win right. almost a little bit more spiky. Okay. I th- I think the athlete is me when I'm deck building, probably, which is oh, like yeah. spreadsheets absolutely most meticulous mana curve and best all your tags on Moxfield. I'm this card's not working for me. I'll find a cheaper version of the same effect. Scryfall, mana value one. Yeah, there yeah. you go. That's that's the athlete in you. Okay. But the the one that gets the kicks out of having those weird little interactions mm-hmm. is our last category. Yeah, it's called the explorer. Oh, these this is the category that's like that are always looking for the next fix. 
on okay. in Commander. Like, usually the type of player that trawls through Scryfall and looks for those niche, underplayed synergies. Maybe it's like a tribe that no one's ever built a deck around. Uh. Or, like, specifically going through their own collection and looking at a really old 7th edition white-boarded <laughs> piece of crap card and going... I can build a commander deck around you. Jeez, called out. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> that that might be the most me, actually. Yeah. yeah. I love a good I love a good scryfall search. Oh boy, I love it. I love it so much. But how cool is I I really I'll I'll, we'll go, I'll put the link to this um article in the show notes yeah, because great. like I I've kind of top lined these, but she goes into a lot of detail. She wrote it around Strixhaven release. Okay. So she kind of put the Strixhaven commander cards under the categories of like oh, which cool. player would play these. Yeah. Really cool article. That's Give fun. it a read. I like having more yeah. ways to describe how we like to play. That's yeah. that's always fun. Or more ways to describe us and yeah. how we play. And the people we play with. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, James, I've been having a lot of fun. But I reckon it might be time for a thrifty interlude. I am not going to lie. It's getting a bit hot in this recording room. <laughs> um, I'd love to take a little bit of a break. Hear about some budget broken card. Cool off a little bit. Yeah. Something mellow. Something, something chill. Wait, I, I'm literally just reading the card you've chosen. It's that is, mellow. It, this is not a mellow card, Walt. This is not a mellow card. We're just off. Oh my God. Ice. What is this card you've chosen? <laughs> All right. We're going to feature it. Uh, I'm just James, reading it. You, you, can you, I read it out? You read it out, and then I'll do my I'll do my monologue. And then we can talk about it. Okay. This is all right. This is not a chill thrifty interlude, people, because <laughs> the card for our thrifty interlude today is Mark of Fury. It's an enchantment aura for one red mana. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature has haste. At the beginning of the end step, return Mark of Fury to its owner's hand. Today I am mad! I know not what brought upon this rage, I know only that I must find the true object of my fury. Until I find that object, my whole being shall be as a raging tempest. All within the world shall fear me, for my rage knows no bounds. Am I scorned? Dost thy mother lie within the bed of my father? Dost my love speak of my impotence? I know not, indeed I know naught but rage, but I forget myself. My rage fades in the ebbs and flows of my breath. I slip into a deep sleep. I awaken. Today I am mad! Get budgeted! 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 <laughs> See, that was not a relaxing thrifty interlude at all. You no, lied. You I straight did lie. up lied. I'm a big liar. That is a repeatable <laughs> one mana haste effect. Yeah. That's less than, what, like two bucks? It's, less than a it's buck. like less than a dollar. It's that's gotta be. wacky. I, um, someone alerted me when I posted this, like, as the blog post form to the, the, the best deck for it. I'm struggling to remember the commander's name, but the Gruul commander from, I think, AFR that cares about modified creatures. <gasps> Whoa, that's sick. Well, and also because you bounce it in your end step, I think there's a trigger when an aura ETB is attached to a creature. I think the commander has a trigger that does that. Puts counters on something, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, whenever. that's so good. So it's every turn. Cast that. Love that. So sick. So Someone's going to wheel you to get it out of your hand. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, well, if you want to see these text posts, as I mentioned before, the, the blog style posts, as they are released, um, I am posting them every Thursday in our Discord, which is linked in the show notes. And you can also see some of these um, brought to life as videos at our TikTok, which we mentioned earlier, mm. a G underscore commander community. I just did one. And probably by the time this comes out, it'll be a little bit old, but I um, I just did one for- Plain a guy. 
guide. Planar guide. I loved it. Planar guide tours, specifically. Yeah. The insurance <laughs> policy of planar guide tours. Can I ask, is that a branded planar guide's raincoat that you had? Or is that I, just one? <laughs> I, to be honest, I was like, he's he's gold in the art. I need to find something like bright. And oh, the, I was imagining like you on one of those river guided tours where you were I mean, wearing like a splash jacket. It's double duty. Yeah, it worked brilliantly. <laughs> it did it at all. But let's, let's get back to the plague group. Yeah. Uh, what we were talking about. So... Yeah, what, what what's what's next on the okay, on what, the, so we sort of looked at like what the different parts of the playgroup like what a playgroup is. Mm. What's next? Like what are we what are we doing with playgroups? Well the space commander specifically asked us to think about the playgroups and how we can kind of be better commander players because we're aware of the playgroup. Gotcha. So now so, we're sort of thinking like what's my little advantage that I'm gaining? I yeah. think they used the word advantage, I think, maybe or Yeah, I'm not yeah. too sure. And they yeah. used a, a word like yeah. advantage. It's really um, hot in this room. But like I, room. I think that like we just spoke about how there are like player stereotypes, right? Yeah. I think the stereotypes are something that you can really play to your advantage. Right. How how what's like off the top of your okay. head, what's the First thing. Easy one. I'm going to use myself as an example here. Okay. I'm a player that loves to politic. Shocker. To and anyone who's played with you. It's like we've mentioned news. it. It's like we've not mentioned it 20 times in this episode already. <laughs> but like, yeah, if I'm starting to politic, if you know that I'm the politic player, that I usually win because of my politic deals, don't politic with me. No. Like, if you're if you play with me regularly, make it harder for me to get my good value out of you. I think the way that I tend to do this with my deals with you, and I think this is something I heard from Command Zone somewhat recently. They did like a politics episode, which was really good. I highly recommend going and checking that out. Um, they recommended when you someone makes a deal with you. I mean, for one, you can always refuse a deal. That's like a good thing. Yeah, you but can also say no. you can always bargain like whatever someone is offering you is obviously going to be the best case scenario for you. So like, yep. you know, if if you say to me like, oh, don't move that thing and you can have, um, I won't attack you for two turns. Think about the fact that like the very act of trying to make a deal is saying that they really need that thing gone and just ask for more. Just be like yeah. four turns straight off the bat. Just say four turns and bargain and you'll probably arrive somewhere better for you than whatever that initial plan was. Yeah. Or... You know, even if it's like, I know we use this, I won't attack you thing for a long time because you mm. have your little red D6 that you put at the front of your play mat. <laughs> I do. Um, that you count the turns on. But like, I've done things like, you know, okay, don't board wipe or don't affect, don't kill any of my creatures by any of your effects mm. with this amount of time. Because yeah. I do math in my head where I'm like, right, if I have this board state until another two turns, mm. I should be able to win because by that point I'll have this many things in my graveyard yeah. or like I'll be able to do something. Like, But you can apply the same logic to your side of the deal, I think, yeah, is, what, exactly. is, the, is the thing here. Is like, yeah, you know, everyone's got their skin in the game, right? They know yeah. what their ideal scenario looks like. But you have yours too, so like emphasize that. Put it in the in the conversation. And use the fact that you know these regular players, your regular opponents yeah. in your playgroup. Like, you know, use that to your advantage. Like if you are going up against the Stompy deck, they're gonna want to keep their creatures. So maybe something to sweeten the deal is I won't kill your creatures, but don't swing them at me. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good that's one. That's a good one, because you know that they're going to have big stompy creatures because they're playing their big stompy creature deck. Yeah. And you can be like, I've got a board wipe in hand. If as long as the creatures go elsewhere, 
you're fine. You can keep Yeah, them. good one. And speaking of combat, actually, one that I can think of is there will be certain players who love a combat trick. They oh, love yeah. their, um, what's the two mana double strike trample card? Their team of battle rage. They oh, love their team so of battle good. rage. They love that kind of stuff. So if that player in your play group, the combat, the stompy guy, the combat trick person is going to combat, they're swinging at you. Check what mana they have open and check <laughs> check how much and check colors. If it's, you know, like eight red or something, that's going to be something nuts they're be about scared. to do. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that that's a really interesting one because it goes both ways as well. Like, you know, if you're attacking into them, just check before you, you turn your card sideways because yeah. they might be defending themselves if in combat. They, if that's something that they always do then just be aware and you can kind of almost maybe talk about some specific cards in a minute but you can almost identify based on how much mana they're holding up what spell might be in their hand yeah that's the next level thing i will say for newest players it's totally fine for you to do that i think if you're pretty new just check to see if they have open mana because like half the time we go to combat we've got no mana at all then you can just you know block accordingly do your stuff whatever if someone's got a lot of mana open just immediately think to yourself okay alarm bells ringing here yeah. yeah. Something bad could happen. I could die. You this know? is why cards like Deadly Relic suck. <laughs> yeah, that card. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's strong, right? Because you don't have to hold up any yeah. mana. It's can crazy. I, can I tell you about the funniest combat trick I've ever done? Uh, yeah, I love combat tricks, so go for it. Um, there's a little known combat trick, James. Uh, it's probably not one a card you've seen used as a combat trick. I once killed a player with Beacon of Immortality. That? No. Um, at- <laughs> Oh, no way. Did you sacrifice it in the golem deck? I did not sacrifice it in the golem deck. Oh, That's a good I thought one. that would have been so, good. So, Beacon of Immortality doubles your life total. The yeah. five and a white. It's an instant speed, double your life oh, total. Oh, I'm seeing where this is going. And then you shuff onto your library. I was playing my Azor the Lordbringer deck, and I had the aura... Uh, f- forget what it's called. It's a three-mana aura that whenever you gain life, you put that many plus one counters on the creature. Yeah. I attacked someone with a flyer. Um... That she could have blocked with, actually. Really? It was, I won't, I won't call her out. She could have blocked. <laughs> she, sh- she chose not to. And I, before damage, cast Beacon Immortality, doubled my life total, put like 25 plus one counters Oof. on that creature. And she died. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> she was like so taken aback that she was just like not at all mad. She was like, that's yeah, sure, such, I'm dead. <laughs> that's such a sick combat trick. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I was, I thought you were going to sacrifice it in your golems deck to like pump all your golems at instant speed. Oh. That like could be another way you could win with beacon. Oh no, so beacon of immortality is the spell. I'm thinking of the elixir of immortality. Ah, oh, the, yeah. yes, the artifact one. No, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that could also be a pretty cool That would, in the golem deck trick. actually. Yeah. yeah, I like that. That'd be pretty sick. I like that a lot. Um, well, okay. We've talked about, we talked about one of the stereotypes being the threat assessor. Yes. Um, but I think- in certain games, it's really handy to know in your group who, firstly, who you trust yeah, um, and who you trust in that moment to help you assess the board and actually identify who the threat is. Yeah. I think, because obviously, like, this is a social game. Mm. We, we talk during the game. We talk and, you know, like, we're, we're sharing, uh, oh, that, uh, you know, that army of the damned is going to be terrifying. That, um, the uh, second upkeep James has got in his Scarab God deck is just going to get out of hand. Yeah. When conversations like this are going on, of course, players are going to be like, ah, don't worry about it. It's not that bad. Those words and phrases get thrown around a lot. So I generally default 
to like people like Daniel, who we just called out. Like, mm. I think you're going to assess the board really well here. What do you think is actually the threat right now? There are actually some players who I will, I, I won't say this is an expectation that I have of people because I totally understand we're all trying to win, but there are some people who I legitimately trust to adequately tell me the threat even when they're in the lead. I think it's really rare for people to do that. But I know some people who, if I say like, oh, what's the biggest threat here? Someone might say, look, honestly, it's probably this enchantment on my board. Like, they'll be really upfront about it. Daniel is maybe one of those people who I I think I would trust to do that. I think so too. And that's why I usually default to him in our playgroup. Yeah. I try and do it a lot with new players. I really do. I I I like to think I'm reasonably good at it as well. And I think, yeah, as a a general get commanded podcast message to you all, Mm. if you are playing with new players and people are asking you about threat assessment this is a time to be honest and use it as a teaching moment to make people have better commander games totally that's 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 the way to lead to better games for sure i think the other one i can think of in terms of knowing your playgroup really well um control players especially ones who we know are likely to have counter spells up i've said this before about specifically the way me and you play when i know you have a counter spell i always play well, one of two ways. Either I play, cast the spell that is worse for me mm. first, like less, I don't care about it so much. Isn't going to win you the game. Yeah, example, cast yeah. that first, see if I can get the counter spell, bait the counter spell is the term we use, yep. get the counter spell out of your hand that way. The other thing I will sometimes do is I will cast a spell that still doesn't mean a lot to me, but I know is threatening to you first to make me to make you go yeah. like oh i can't let that resolve i can't let that resolve counter spell and then i'm like okay second spell this overwhelming thing. stampede yeah, you die. yeah. <laughs> and you're like ah oh, you know and honestly it's it's got to a point specifically with this whole baiting counter spell thing i've i've now gone up against multiple people in our play group that always do the Go on, James, counter it. You know you want to. <laughs> Where I'm like, oh, are you now trying to double bluff me? Are you trying to make me think that you want me to counter it when I know I should counter it, but you don't want me to counter But if I do, then you can cast the... Damn it. You know what's <laughs> wild? I went a step further and thought that you were going to say that you love when people do that because it means they assume you have a counter spell and you yeah, can act yeah. as though you have one even when you don't. Which, to be honest, sometimes I do play into that bit a little bit. Yeah, you, I'll, like, you, I'll even... you leave mana open. I've seen you just I... leave mana open for no reason and just, just put it there. The two blue. Sometimes I'll like play with... Sometimes I'll even... Be... Someone will be like, oh, I'm casting this. And I'll be like, oh, hold on. And I'll like put two fingers on an <laughs> island and I'll like... Twist it a little you bit. You sick, twisted man, okay? Play the Celestia way. Just just do your best and try. And sometimes things won't turn out. Nah, I like blue too much. <laughs> okay, okay. So, well, Counterspell is a really good example. But can we think of some other cards that, like... There's a whole suite of Counterspells. But when you play against opponents enough, you actually can almost remember almost every card in their deck sometimes. Well, specifically the instant speed ones. And specifically the ones that interact with you, right? Yeah. You remember the things that are going to stop you from winning. So, Counterspell, big one. Yeah, know when your opponent's got Counterspells for sure. What are some other spells that you can kind of rattle off the top of your head? I think you have to say if someone (laughs) is budget is not a factor... And uh, they have seven mana open, including a blue pit. That is Cyclonic Rift. It's got to be Cyclonic is, Rift. Yeah. <laughs> Do not commit to the board. Hold. Hold fast. Hold fast. What's the, the, the scene? The hold. Hold. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking more like um, uh, A New Hope. Stay on target. Stay on target. 
<laughs> some really obscure <laughs> references. Look, Cyclonic Rift is a really good one. One that appears in our playgroup all the time because of Nick. I'm going to call you out on this one. <laughs> it's white. So if you see two white pips open, and I think it's three and a white. I think it's two and a white. Two and a white. Two, two white white. Two white white. If you see that amount of mana open, what do you think Nick's about to cast? It's settle already- the wreckage. It it's got to be settle a, the wreckage. Yeah, disgusting board wipe type effect. Yeah. But it destroys all attacking- Exiles. All Exiles. attacking creatures. Wild. It's so good. It's a really, really, really good spell. Yeah. Like, no shade on Nick for including it. No. But yes, if you're playing against Nick and you see two white white- you know it's likely to be similar records. And you'll you'll yeah. have people who you play with where it's a similar thing will happen. Yeah. You, you know what they're likely to have. Oh, like, you're holding up Aetherize or something like that. Yeah, yeah. If, I, if I play against your um, Atraxa deck, I am super wary of one and a black. One and a black. Or is it even just a black? Tainted Strike? Oh, no, that's a single black. Single black? Single black. That card is yeah. disgusting. For reference, it's an instant that says target <laughs> creature gets plus one, plus zero, oh, and gains in effect. It's yeah. like a turn. Target creature. Doesn't have to be yours. Yeah. Doesn't have to be James's. Doesn't have to be anyone's. So if you are just swinging for, you know, nine power at someone they That's haven't a gorgeous blocked, amount. Yeah. you can tainted strike that creature, <laughs> give it damage. infect, and infect creatures deal their damage in the form of poison counters instead. And if, for those who don't know, if you have 10 poison counters in a game of magic, you lose instantly. So a James- lovely way to kill someone. Yes. James has killed people with that method. I've yeah. seen him do it. I, I, one of my proudest moments was killing someone with a galter that was swinging um, and it was unblocked. Wow. And I gave Galta a 12-12 trampler. In fact, I've actually got a it's really- overkill, really. It really <laughs> is. I, can I tell you, I'm going to go off track one story about Tainted Strike. When I first played my Atraxa deck, yeah. it's the wackiest story, but it shows how fun that playgroup is because they knew, like, even though it was a brand new deck, it was an effect that was, like, really unique to our group. Yeah. So, uh, one of my friends, Ben, um, who's kind of in our playgroup, yeah, like, no, we play, play, with ben a lot. play with Ben a lot. Yep. I was playing a Vile Smasher deck, which if you don't know Vile Smasher, when you cast your first spell a turn, Vile Smasher randomly deals damage equal to the mana value of that card to a random chosen opponent. Yep. So, the interesting thing about this card is the target and the damage resolves as one. It targets and does the damage in one swift go. Right. I think I see where you're going here. Yeah. You have no opportunity to respond before, like, after the randomly selected player has been chosen and the damage happens, there's no trigger between those things. No one gets priority. So, basically, if you're going to respond to the trigger, you're not going to know if it's going to hit you yet before you have to decide to respond. I'm guessing this is going to be relevant in the story. Super relevant, because I had Tainted Strike in hand. And you Tainted Strike... I Tainted Strike Vile vile Smasher. smasher. Well, here's the thing. I had to do, like, quick math being like, okay, it's nine mana value. Mm. So if it hits me, I don't die, which is great. Fantastic. Sure. I'm going to take the risk because everyone else has got at least one. If it hits Matt or Brad, fantastic. They're going to die. Tainted Strike... Well, wouldn't you know, I'm the one that gets hit with the Vile Smasher trigger. So you take nine Infect counters. Nine Infect counters. Ben passes the turn to Matt, another great friend of mine, who's playing a plus one counter proliferate deck. Oh, no. It goes to Matt's turn and he plays <laughs> Pollen Bright Druid. I've heard this one before. Landfall on Pollen Bright Druid. No, it's is just it enters the battlefield. Oh, just you can proliferate. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and, you just and I just died. Your infect counter. I died. That was the. Ten. So the first person wow. I ever killed with my Atraxa deck by infect was me. <laughs> <laughs> That's gold. Pretty um, horrific. Can you think of any any uh, instant speed responses that you may see in any of my decks if I if I have them open? 
Is there anything oh. that you reckon you'd be wary of if they had a particular amount of mana open? 100%. I can't remember the mana value of it, but in your Marchesa deck... Um, oh. Is it in your Marchesa deck? It is in one? my... Oh, the is this... Ink Shield? Yeah. That, that thing scares the hell out of me. Not only is it because it's like a really good... I'm going to save a bunch of life, mm. but Ink Shield, when it... We have, we've talked about this card here. We heaps. have. So it's, it's an instant for three black white. Yeah. Prevents all combat damage that would be dealt this turn. For each one damage that would be prevented this way, create that many 2-1 Inkling creature tokens with flying. It is a win con in disguised as protection. Crazy. Like it's a five mana fog, yeah. which is way overcosted, except that yeah, if someone swings at you for twenty and you cast your ink shield, prevent that twenty damage. Forty power on the board. It's flying yeah. as well, because the ink- inklings have flying. So. It is a win con. So like if yeah. you see, you know, Orzov and a couple of extra mana yeah, and you know mana. someone's like, go on, swing at me. Do it. Yeah. Do it. If they're baiting it, for yeah. sure. Don't yeah. give them the win. Just don't, don't give do it, it to them. Absolutely. Alright, I think Let's move on from like those cards, but I think there's like some another category of cards that I think a good play group won't use. Um, okay, and I think they're the silver bullet cards, and we've talked gotcha. about silver bullets before, which are like cards that completely hose another person's deck. Yeah, I've got a couple of examples I can rattle off real quick. Mm-hmm. Way back when you had your Azor the Lawbringer deck, it was yep. an awesome life gain deck. I did in my Niv Mizzet deck, which was a spell slinger deck. I ran a card called Stigma Lasher. Uh, does nothing to my deck but hoses your deck entirely so when it does combat damage to a player that player can't gain life for the rest of the game yeah does nothing in my deck but turned Walt's deck completely off it it always felt really bad when that would happen for sure and I I only included it to stop you yeah I had had a similar thing in that during that sort of arms race period where I included a card called Dryad Millicent in my Reese the Redeemed deck um, which basically means that instants and sorceries are exiled instead of putting into their graveyard um, specifically because James kept on getting stuff back from his graveyard with Nib Mizzet. I didn't want him to get him back again. And yeah, that card's bad. Like, it's not really worth running that card. Even yeah. in CDH stacks list, you don't see it because it's just not good enough. But I was just so adamant about trying to hose James's deck. And look, like, I think the, the attitude here is just generally not the best yeah. of going like, yeah, I want to deal with that one specific card. And I'm going to stop you doing that. And- yeah. If, if you're, if when you're going through your deck building process, if the answer to the question is, why am I including this card in this deck? If the answer is to stop Walt, you shouldn't yeah. be putting it in. No, like, rest I- in peace. It just hoses the graveyard player. Yeah. For example. It's true. Like, you it's know? true. I, I, I think, yeah, in general, we can move away from these cards and, and move instead towards, like, if the problem you're having is enchantments or artifacts or something, just play more removal. Play more mm. board wipes. Like, those are ways of dealing with things that everyone is always happy to be prepared for. If they're not, then they're babies, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> um, so, you know, like, those are totally viable ways. Like, don't feel bad putting, you know, a nature's claim in your deck if you're really struggling against an enchantment deck. Like, that's totally reasonable. And yeah. you should play that card anyway. It's just good in all matchups. Yep. Don't be thinking like, oh, this one card will mean that this player never gets to play the game, which is what, yeah, Rest in Peace does to a graveyard Well, player. like, it, 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 you put it in, like, an arms race. You use that yeah. term. Like, yeah, like, I ran Tormod's Crypt in Yuriko, which is objectively terrible. Mm. But I only ran it because people started running Sporefrog to stop combat 
damage from resolving. Gotcha. So then I started running a card to combat that. And yeah, it just, it this snowball effect, it just becomes really toxic in a playgroup. So yeah. to make our playgroups better, we should avoid silver bullet cards. I totally sure. agree with you. I think, yeah. I think better playgroups are just building fun and good decks for their own good. Yeah, And not, sure. not being like, I will stop your deck and your deck and stop this and this. And well, yeah. speaking of building decks for, mm-hmm. for its own good or its yeah. own fun, I think a good playgroup and a way to make your playgroup better is being open to try anything at least once. When I say try anything, at least pilot or play against a new deck. Um, sure. Like, even if it's something pretty controversial, like I said before, like it's mm. stacks or land destruction. My mum actually used to have this, you know, great thing that she always used to say. Specifically, my mum's a lovely cook. Uh, she loves cooking for everyone. Yeah. And if she'd cook something really different or exotic or like, you know, something with lots of flavors that I didn't recognize, she'd say, try it at least once. And if you don't like it, we don't have to have it again. But now you know you don't like it. You actually oh, know that you don't like that's it. That's nice. That's yeah. a good a good mentality to yeah. have, I think. Not having, like, harboring preemptive resentment. Yeah. Oh, I hate things. stacks. Have you yeah. ever played against it? Yeah. No, it try go. it. And you might find that it's a bit of a challenge for you and I you think like it. The thing I would add there is I think it's good to have a really robust rule infinity conversation mm. after these kinds of games. For and sure. for those who d- aren't aware, we proposed rule infinity in episode four i think or yeah, something way like back that. When. a long time ago but basically it's it's the post-game conversation it's the check-in of like how did we go how do people feel how did we feel the rule zero conversation went is an yeah. important part of it and so i think this is the opportunity where after you've tried it that one time you can be like yeah fair enough really great win good game like you played really well this deck's not for me. I don't Please think I can don't play ever it. play this against yeah. me again. I didn't or enjoy it. Sometimes it'll be a simpler thing of being like, man, that rest in peace was great. I'm not playing my Arami deck <laughs> against that rest in peace. It's not going to happen. So next yeah. time you pull that deck out, I'm going to swap decks. And, yeah. and that's a reasonable spot to have, yeah. I think. And yeah. even like, you know, when you have those conversations, like I might notice, oh, well, you're playing Arami, but Luke's playing that. And it doesn't that have a rest in peace. And you'll go, oh, yeah, it does. Let me switch decks to get one that's better suited for this table. Yeah. It helps rule zeros. It does. It does. It definitely does. I think there's like also a bit of a commander sort of... F- like tradition tradition yeah Yeah, here that often happens which is that generally speaking when someone wins a game you should switch decks right yeah almost everyone does this like kind of instinctively they're like oh like i won so unless you're put this deck away or maybe if it's a brand new deck and you're really trying to play test it that's a bit of an exception actually i have done that before with a brand new deck i've been like okay does anyone i always ask them always like do you mind if i play this one again even if it wins yeah and certainly obviously if you only have the one deck that's that's totally fair enough and if you're at a a place where you can if you are playing at an lgs and not with your play group you could 100 say i might switch tables you know i think I, i think these guys over here are playing slightly higher power i might hop in with them that's totally fair enough as i well. think that's actually a really healthy thing to do yeah 100 percent. all right considering we have talked about playgroups for a long time mm-hmm. and we're we're, we're t- pretending that we're experts yes. on everybody's playgroup yes i have proposed a challenge to walt okay. a couple of days ago i sent you a message and asked you this is to- what that was for it is are you ready? I'm ready. So, okay. so for reference, James <laughs> messaged me out of the blue, which is not rare, but, you know, <laughs> messaged me out of the blue and said, um, write five multiple choice questions about your play style and your decks. Oh, they didn't have to be multiple. They could have been anything. But if you've got multiple choice. Oh, I did multiple choice. choice. You can wow, do- I 100% thought you said multiple choice. <laughs> you can, I, I've definitely not got multiple choice in uh, mind, but it's like one, a single. So if you want, you can just 
read the question and then I have to guess the right answer. Like you could, you know, for a couple of questions if you want. Okay, okay. We'll see, yeah. see how we go. But yes, so... So basically what I wanted to do for this episode is yeah. determine in our playgroup, the Walton James playgroup, mm-hmm. which of us know each other better. So oh. I'm going to answer your questions and you're going to answer the questions I've prepared about myself. Okay. And them up. we're going to, we're going to have a bit of a showdown of the magic husbands. Sounds good. All right. Who, should we rock, paper, scissors for first? All right, let's do it. All right. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors. scissors. Ah, all, right. all right. James, go on first. I will go for, I'll answer questions first. Okay. You'll yeah, answer questions I'll first. I'll answer questions You're first. choosing to, to play. I'll play, I'll, <laughs> I'll play first, Tim. Uh, I don't know who Tim is. <laughs> Timmy. Yeah. Um... First question. All right, go for it. Which of Walt's decks has the most likes and views on Moxfield? <gasps> Ooh. The answers here are Reese the Redeemed, Krak and Akroma, Ishtakik and Rebecca, or Queen Marchesa? Damn it. My brain instantly went to Arami, and that's not even on the list. No, it's not Arami. I'm going to say purely because it's... No, it's it's too niche. Kraken Akroma is like, there's only two decks in existence on databases, and one of them's yours. <laughs> it's true. On, um, on EDH Rack, if you look up that partnership, it's only two decks. <laughs> I'm going to say it is Ishtakik and Rebecca. Correct. Nailed it. Nailed it. Good stuff. Okay. All right. Feeling all right. good. One point. Oh, so we're going all, all mine yeah, first? All right, all right, right. first. Um, question two. Which archetype... Is Walt most likely to build for his next commander deck? Oh. So this is multiple choice. Okay. So we have Spirit Tribal. <laughs> You've tried that. <laughs> plus one counters, Burn, and Super Friends. Oh, it's definitely not plus one counters. You've done that too much. You've already tried Spirits, and I loved that deck, and you pulled it apart, you monster. Um, <laughs> Kaikar, it was, yeah. You've tried Burn as well, though, with Obosh. I'm going to say Super Friends. Incorrect. It's actually Spirit Tribal. Are you having another crack at I'm it? I'm going to try and have a crack at it again. Oh, who's the commander? I'm going to go... Um, there's like a there's partners that care about tapping creatures. Oh, And so, because Spirits ETB yeah. and tap stuff a lot. Yeah, that's, that's the... I like that's it. Question. Thank you. Thank I like you. it. Okay, still on one point. All right. Uh, question three. Which of these infinite combos from James's past... Did Walt enjoy playing against the least? <laughs> it's, it's, so my least favorite of your old infinite combos. So we right. have Zaxara the Exemplary and right. Freed from the Real. Yeah. Niv Mizzet Perun and Curiosity. Yeah. Siona, Captain of the Pileus and Shielded by Faith. Plus a Teferi's Protection. And Yaleva, Nefalia's Scourge and Dual Custom Mage. That one's not from the past. That's, that's, c- that's current a pretty deck. current one. <laughs> and I think you enjoy that one because it's like so hard for me to actually get off. It's got to be Niv Curiosity, right? No, I actually had the worst time playing against Siona and Shielded by Faith. Because wow. I felt like the deck didn't do anything else. Like, Niv Mizzet at least, like, did other stuff until you found Curiosity. Wow. I actually... That was a bit of a... I, I threw a curveball there, no, so I'm sorry. No, I think that's... No, that's fair. I, I also think that the fact that I built that deck and then stumbled upon a Teferi's Protection and only ever played the combo when I had Teferi's Protection yeah, in hand... Yeah, that was a big part of it for me, I That think. would have been miserable to play against. It was not a lot of fun. I, I'm apologize. glad that deck is no longer how it is. <laughs> Uh, question four. Which of these decks is Walt most likely to disassemble next? Oh. We have Sisay Shrines, Wart the Raid Mother Goblin Tribal, Meron Power Matters, and Azor the Lawbringer. 
I don't want any of these to be taken down. <laughs> um, Marin Power Matters. It's actually Sisse. Really? I, yeah, I just, I never pull it out. Like, is it because of the stacks effects? Yeah, it? I think it's just, it? I love the deck. Like, it's well put together, but yep. there's so rarely a time in my playgroup <laughs> that I get to pull it out and actually play I'll with pl- it. I mean, I'll play with it. You I'll will. Definitely before it goes, I want to play it a couple of times. I think it's like, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to go, but okay. I think it's the most likely is what, I, what I've got. I'm for. just really thankful it wasn't as or I don't ever no, want to that. I knew, I knew you wouldn't. Yeah. I, I never so am I still only on one point? Yeah. Oh, no. Sorry, I played him too hard. Okay. <laughs> Question five. Which of these cards does not appear in Walt's Around Me list? Does not appear. Not appear. So, three of these cards are in the list. One of them is not. Yeah. And if you don't know, you can check it out on moxfield.com slash... No. It's in, it's in the show notes. <laughs> it's in the show notes. <laughs> um, Stitcher's Supplier. Grey Merchant of Asphodel. That's definitely in there. Reefworm. And Undead Butler. It's Reefworm. Yeah, man, yeah. you were super confident I, of that one. I know, th- I know. I you've you've beaten me with Gary a million times. Yeah, Stitch's Supplier is like usually your first creature played. It's often um, yeah, like wildly. It's, just, it's in your it's open so hand. Good. It's brilliant. And also, you made a TikTok on Undead Butler. <laughs> I did. It's a good one too. It's actually. a very funny I'm one. Happy with that one. Damn. So two, two out of two five. out of five. Not bad. Not, not bad. bad. Okay. Right. My questions. I took a lot more liberties. Okay. Um, and so there's not a lot of multiple choice. All right. That's um, cool. That's cool. Uh, I feel like I misled you, but I only got no? two out of five. So maybe this is a good way to me to get a chance <laughs> of winning this. Sounds good. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Question one. Okay. What is the most expensive card in my Niv-Mizzet CDH deck, according to Card Kingdom? Oh, sugar. Um, I'm, try- I'm like running through. There's definitely a cr- Chrome Mox in there. I know there's not a Mox Diamond. I think Chrome Mox is worth more than Jeweled Lotus. I don't think it's a land. I know you've got some really good lands in there, but I don't think... Yeah, you don't have like any of the re- you don't definitely don't have Volcanic Island yet. I know that for sure. Yeah, I've I've only got it proxied in my stupid Nivmizet deck. I'm trying to think. You don't creatures. I think it's Chrome Mox. Chrome Mox doesn't even come in the top four. What? What's the top four? The top. Okay, we'll go from four. Okay. Four to number one. So all of the ones Walt didn't think of. A land was on there. Oh, Ancient Tomb. Oh, uh, specifically yeah. my foil ultimate masters oh, ancient tomb comes in at ninety five schmackos. Oh my word! Yep, force of will at a hundred dollars. Oh yeah, okay, that's an yep. obvious miss. Yeah, my extended art jeweled lotus comes in at oh. a whopping one hundred and eighty dollars. I didn't realize you had an extended art one. That's nuts. Do you know how much the extended art foil is worth? I'm guessing like five hundred or something, mate. Thousands. What? Genuinely. People are so wacky. weird. All right. And number one? Number one is a zero drop artifact. It is Mana Crypt. Oh, wow. Crypt has gotten expensive. Still at $200. Wow. As of literally this morning, by the okay. way. I checked this morning. Damn. I was way off. Yeah. All right. Zero for, zero for one zero so for far. One. All this, right. this one I'm pretty sure you'll get. Which one of James's Demir decks is in a Demir colored deck box? Oh. So it's either Yuriko or Scarab God. I know that's so for you got, sure. You basically got a 50-50 here. I think it's Yuriko. It is Yuriko. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. One for two. Yeah. One for One two. For two. Doing Doing good. Good. Doing I good. felt like Yuriko was like the more Demiri type. I think it's also like it's an older deck of yours. It's yeah. like got a, it's, you know, yeah. it's blinged. It's, yeah, yeah, for sure. Makes sense. All right. This one might be a bit of a hard question. Okay. 
How many decks does James own that contain the color white? Oh, inc- just Commander, right? Just Commander. Okay. I have Atra- to own them. Atraxa is one. Um, your precons, you have the Naya Landfall one, that's two. That contain white. I'm trying to think combos. Blue, white, no. Green, white, no, definitely not. <laughs> Red, white? Do you have a Boros deck? No, you got the Naya deck. Do you have a five-color deck? You don't have a five-color deck. I've got the Naya deck. You miscounted. You... I, I said that, too. Oh, so you got two. Two, yeah. yeah. Wow, is it only two? I'm, I feel like I'm definitely missing some here. Oh, my word. Um, I reckon I've missed one. I'm going to say three. I think you've got three decks that include white. I have five. Five? What are the other three that I missed? So, Atraxa. Yeah. Land's Wrath. Yeah. Those are the ones you got. Dinosaurs. Oh, I totally missed. Oh, two Naya decks. Yep. Okay, that's why I missed it. Uh, Liesa. Shroud does. Ah. Um, and recently, I just acquired the first flight precon, the the starter commander decks. I oh. just I, I won it um, at the. Oh, you did games. too. Yeah, and I did okay. tell you about it, so uh, you know it. You know it. Harsh. All right, that one for three. Hard. That's that's tricky. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one is like I'm going to give you 0.25 for each section of this question. You so get it's a right. four part. So okay. Four four answers to give. Sure. Which two decks did James disassemble recently? And why? So one point. Whoa. So you get quarter of a point for the deck. Okay. And a quarter of a point for the. All right. You reason. disassembled your blue-red Brutaclad deck. There's a quarter of a point for because you wanted to use the cards for the Tornos deck you're building. Fucking nearly word for word. Well okay. Done. Great. Uh, that's, you've got point five of a point. That's one. What's the other deck you disassembled recently? Oh, Siona. You disassembled Siona. Yep, nailed it. Why did you disassemble? You wanted to use the cards to put them in Liesa. Look, I'm going to give you a a full point for this. Okay. Because you are totally right. There are lots of cards in that deck, like Mangara the Diplomat. Yeah. Uh, There's a Sun Titan in there that I do want to use for Liesa. Yeah. The reason I specifically had for Siona was that I just don't play it. Yeah, you'd never pull it out. I just straight up don't play it. But yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. Siona and Brutaclad. Oh my God, that means I'm two for four. So the last question is- Oh, is it come down to actually the decider? If I get this right, I win. Otherwise we draw. This is going to come across really scripted now. Uh, (laughs) It's totally not- Totally scripted. All right. Question five. Hit, All me, right. hit me with oh, it. Oh, this is... I feel like you're going to get this right and you're going to win. I know. All right. Grixis is James's favorite three-color group, but how do those three colors individually rank in order according to James? Blue is number one. Red, black. Incorrect. Well, it is black, red. Blue, I, I just showed what my what? phone for clarity to show that. No, I, I believe you that, liar. I believe the you black is a doctored way, the documents. Black is a way better color in Commander than red. Wow, way better, way better. Are you kidding me? Wild. I think I was thinking of two color pairings where I was like, you would yeah. choose blue red over blue black. I would a hundred percent as a playstyle choice. Those two, but you'd rather play. In, oh, you did say individually. Individually, okay. damn. So you did got we, me. Do we straight up we just draw? Tie? Hey. <laughs> We okay. are equally magic husbandish. Two out of five worth partners. 
Lovely. All right. Well, that was a bit of fun. That I enjoyed fun. this episode. I so did. Through this episode, we've understand why Commander is such a special format yep. and what makes it special is the playgroups. There's such a unique way that Commander players can interact with the game of Magic. We're now really aware of how our playgroup operates, behaves, and even how some of the members in our playgroup will actually play out a game. And finally, we've thought of some things that will implement some strategies or behaviors to make our playgroups even better and stronger. We also learnt that we know each other equally well. Lame. Boring. I really there want to be say a winner. <laughs> do you want to do a quick fire off the dome final oh question? Oh my god. Should we try it? The space commanders can send us oh. a last question. Next episode we will next episode we will determine, determine the winner. Determine the winner. One Ooh. more question. Alright. Well Deal? We, we are done with playgroups. Shake on it. Alright. Done. Let's do it. All right, shake on it. Moving on. Space Commanders. Command received. received. You didn't nice. salute. You did. I didn't salute. I also so, didn't say command. No, I did said command and you just you, received. What if, what if you say nothing and I'll say command and I'll salute? Sure. Well, command. All right, there we go. And I'll doctor it afterwards. Don't tell them. Shh. <laughs> I'm going to doctor it so that it all works out well and I will definitely remember... And I'm not going to leave any of this audio in and they'll never hear it. Walt and they're does- so stupid. I hate them all. Walt does all the editing for our podcasts. Um- <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> do you feel commanded? What do you think of playgroups? What's uh, some, you know, what, what cards do you see in your playgroup more often? Who's in your playgroup? Whose decks do you find most interesting to play against? That's yeah. what I want to know. And what strategies do you use when you play against yeah. your playgroup is what I want to know. Join our Discord. That's in the yep. show notes. And chat with us and some other members of our playgroup to yeah, find lo- out more about it. Pretty much all of our playgroup is on our Discord yep. server. So, so you can see see the if, get the goss. If you want to talk to Daniel or talk to Nick as well, these yep. name drops that we've got, they're in our Discord They're server. in there. You can talk to them. I will also say uh, one extra thing. I only mentioned this at the end of the episode. Please, if you have the time leave us a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast on so whether it's spotify google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, if you click on our podcast you can actually go up to there's like a sort of little button at the top and you can leave us a review and it would really really appreciate if you could let us know you know how you're yep. finding it and whether you like it and all that kind of stuff it, it, it really helps us to to yeah. grow and and reach more fantastic commander players like all of you we've had some really great tweets um on our we twitter have. we've had some really great messages on our discord but if you think what Walt and I are saying um, is is important to the Commander format, spread the good word of the Get Commanded podcasts. Um, we would really love to be doing this so much more. We're doing one episode a week, but who knows? Maybe someday it might become two. Who knows? But if if you like our content, please express that you like it because it will help us so much. Enormously. Can't, yeah. yeah. Can't say so enough. Well, shall we leave magic behind? Please. Um, Playgroups are tricky to deal with sometimes. Yeah, uh, it's true. Struggles it's true. and tribulations. Where are we going this week? Well, let's planeswalk to the world of music. <laughs> That's music according to Walt, ladies That's and gentlemen. <laughs> the only music I listen to is that exact, um, those exact four notes on repeat this is while why, I sleep. This is why I drive us to command. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, my brother actually yeah. um, has been producing music. He's been making remixes of wow. songs. He's been actually now beginning to venture into his own music. Um, for those who are not aware, his name <laughs> online is Dante Fierro. 
Um, you That's can look a superhero him up. name if I ever heard uh, He one. was very Fiora. proud of it. You should have seen yeah. him. I actually got a t-shirt. You might have seen me wear it. I've got a Dante Fiero t-shirt. You ever seen it before? I, I ha- Weirdly, I'm now remembering yeah. that t-shirt. Yeah. It's like, like a rainbow pattern. He did very good with that. Anyway, <laughs> he's been venturing into the world of making his own music now. He's yeah. done a lot of remixes, a lot of like mixes and that yeah. kind of thing. And now he's like, okay, I want to make my own stuff. Um, and I just like randomly messaged him and I was like, Hey, I'd love to write some lyrics for you. And I was like, oh, he's not going to do it. He won't do his own thing. And he was like, no, hundred percent. I've had this idea. He gave me like a little start of a lyric and was like, this is kind of what I have so far. I'm stuck. I can't think of anything. Go nuts. Write me a song. What? So you've written a song? A while lyrics. I was, while I was away, uh, I put all of the screens away and just <gasps> sat in front of a bit of paper and I have written the lyrics oh, for a like song. He's still old school. He's still in the process of putting it together, so I can't share it with you yet, but I can let you know that if you go subscribe to Dante Fierro on YouTube, um, he will be posting it there probably, you know, in the next couple of months. It takes a while to make a song, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I've sent the lyrics to him. He's happy with them, so it's oh, only a matter of time. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, let Dante Fierro know that if he ever needs a drummer... I'm, <laughs> I'm in. Hey, I didn't That'd think of that. Pretty cool. The collab. Yeah. Maybe I can sing on the track. We can oh do a wow! Get commanded. You play piano as well, don't I you? I do. So- we can we can get Jay who did the theme song. Oh my! We've got a band on our hands. Oh my god, guys! The Get Commanded band. <laughs> <laughs> we got Jay. We got Wild on vocals and keys. James on drums. The Space Commanders can on synth. <laughs> I was imagining like vocoder, like like auto tune, like Daft yeah. Punk style, you know. That's oh, I'm I'm, I'm envisioning this now. 2023, uh, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. It, if you leave a good review, yeah, we will make a band. If we, if we average five stars on Spotify, With we'll a band make a band. Maybe yes. Is this a legally binding contract? I, don't know. I really hope not. <laughs> oh look. Thank you, Commander Players. This was a really fun episode to talk about because I'm hoping that maybe one day we can have our playgroup meet your playgroup. We can play in person somewhere. Be really exciting. Yeah, our playgroups can intermingle. Combined. We'll we'll become an army. Oh, that's that's a more of a that's a whole another episode. All right, let's let's not go any further. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you all soon. Catch you, Commander Players. Bye.